Let's take our Bibles, please, to the book of Jude, the little epistle of Jude, as we continue to go verse by verse through this book of the Word of God together. We've said that there is no more applicable book in all the Bible that we could be preaching through to our generation right before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, even as Jude is placed just before the book of the Revelation, and it is foretelling the days of apostasy that we live in, the great falling away from the truth and from God and what is right, and that's what the book of Jude is about, and that's where we live. And we not only want to know the estate of our of our society and of our world in which we live, but we want to know the answers for our own selves. And just because the world is going to hell doesn't mean you have to go to hell. And just because the world is crazy doesn't mean you have to be crazy. And just because the world doesn't care about the things of God doesn't mean that we cannot have the, the Lord working His good things in our hearts. And so that's the purpose of why we continue to go through this book of the Word of God to help us. And I trust it will be a help. The Bible says in Jude, well, is such a small book, we'll continue to start reading verse 1 down to our verse that is before us today. It's in verse 6. The Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So as he is describing the great falling away, he's using examples. Though we have a great falling away in our day, he's giving examples in the past of great falling aways. Last time we were together, we were in verse 5 and how the nation of Israel fell away from the truth and what resulted from that. This morning's message is very different, and some of it's a little strange, and that's all right. You wouldn't expect the Bible just to be everything that you always thought in your mind, because then the Bible would be sort of a small book. The Bible has so much in it that we have not probably studied out and learned about. And I think it's very interesting. God gives the example in the days of apostasy in which we live... He gives the example of fallen angels. Fallen angels. Would you look at verse 6 with me again? And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left 
their habitation. Their own habitation. Imagine that. Just imagine that. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. These angels went from God's heavenly place to hell's dark prison. And it was a willing choice. That lets us know, obviously, and we do know that if we have any knowledge of the Bible at all, that angels have a will. They have a will just like you have a will. They're created beings of God, but if they want to make choices, they're allowed to do that. That That's sort of a strange thing. I think sometimes we think of angels as being just, you know, some kind of robotic servants of God. Evidently, that's not the case from what we read in the Bible. They have a will. And if angels can fall away from the truth, if angels can fall away from the will of God, then what should we think of ourselves? I would say if an angel is a candidate to fall away from God and totally leave God, if an angel, an angel, a holy angel, is capable of doing such a thing, I would say this morning that we need to understand from this example that anyone is a candidate from this type of ruin. Anybody's, if an angel is a candidate, have you ever heard a parent say, you know, my, my child is just an angel? A fallen one? <laughs> I really think that sometimes we read over the Bible, we don't think about things. We're talking about holy creatures. We're talking about created beings, listen, that have no sin nature. They're not born sinners like you and I are born. Not angels, no. They're created perfect They're created righteous. They're created holy. They're in the presence of God. And yet they left God. As a matter of fact, if you study the Bible, you'll find that that was not just one event in Scripture. Angels have fallen more than once. And I would propose to you that uh, angels will fall three times. Three times totally. And here it describes angels that fall. And we know that they fall more than just here because look at text verse 6 again. He says, The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness on the judgment of the great day. Well, the only problem with that is if you put all fallen angels in that category, you have a problem. Because when Jesus is walking around and even throughout the Bible days, you will find angels fallen angels freely doing the work of the devil. So whoever these angels are and whatever their sin is in Jude chapter 6, it was so specific that when they fell, God locked them up in a prison. 
but other angels have fallen. All of those devils and evil spirits and unclean spirits and devil-possessed people, they are fallen angels that have followed Satan. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in, well, just turn to Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, they're going to fall again. So there, there has to be a fall where they're locked up. There has to be a fall where we've got uh, fallen spirits, fallen angels, devils running around in our society that we do today, just like Jesus did in His day. We have all of that. that, that ha- they had to fall sometime that was not in this chaining time. And then there's going to be another fall. He says in Revelation chapter 12, in verse number four, and his tail, well, look, verse number three. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Of course, we know who that is from the context. Verse number nine, that's the devil. That's Satan. Satan. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Watch it. And the dragon and his angels. You see that? Now, the Bible says... Uh, in verse, the rest of the chapter, verse 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, that this is for a short time. So this is the days in the tribulation period. There's going to be war in heaven and, and there, and these angels that the, that Satan has drawn are going to be cast down into earth just like the devil himself is and he'll no longer be able to accuse the brethren. You see verse 9, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and that is going to happen during the tribulation period the church is going to be gone and they'll only have a short time he says in verse number 12 during that short period of tribulation and so they're going to fall again so i would submit to you that that satan not only have three groups of fallen angels by the way you know that hell was created everlasting fire was created for the devil and his angels So that means that way back there, before there was ever a hell, God didn't make hell for man. Because He never intended us to go there. You go to hell, you won't go there because God wants you to go there. You'll go there because you're bound and determined to go there because you don't want Jesus Christ. He created everlasting fire he created hell for the devil and his angels well when was that done that had to been all the way back there in genesis before anybody went to hell it was created for the devil and his angels and we could debate about when that is because they fail now i'm just thinking how can satan draw away from god a third of all the stars of heaven. Now you say, what are the stars? Well, you got to compare Scripture with Scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, he said that the seven stars are the seven angels. He equates a star with an angel. And the context of Revelation 12 is those angels of the devil that he drew with his tail. They're fighting against Michael and or God's archangel Michael and his angels. You say, well, this is crazy, preacher. Why are we preaching about that? Because this is why we're preaching about that. 
If Satan can get one-third of the angels to leave God, how easy do you think it'll be for get, to get you to leave God? You see the warning? If he can draw away someone without a sin nature, how much in danger are we with a sin nature? That means that you are in danger. The Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he what? Fall. Do you know in a short time you could be somewhere you would have never imagined you? There's not a person in this building that is not capable of totally leaving God. Completely. You say, preacher, I'm saved. You're probably not as saved as the angels in heaven are. Think about that just for a minute. The angels in heaven never have a bad thought. They've never said a bad word. They're perfectly holy. They're in heaven. They're not waiting to get heaven. They're in heaven. They're not waiting to have a changed nature. They already have a perfect nature. And we here as saved people, thank God for that. And have a changed nature. Thank God for that. But I still have the old one. And I still walk around with this body of flesh and I still can't get away from my birth. And an angel didn't have that problem. And a third of them, a third of them will leave God. That means this. Your child today is in danger. As wonderful and as, and as much as you love your child, your child is not better than one of the angels of God in heaven and they are capable and susceptible and in danger of being totally destroyed. If an angel can leave God, your child can leave God. Your husband, your wife, your friends. Anybody. The angels that sinned and kept not their first estate. He's chained them up. As an example to us, you know the best place in the world is no protection from apostasy. I think sometimes we have the idea, if we will, listen, listen to me now, if we will create the most perfect environment for our family, If we will shut out every evil influence, and I'm for, I'm for doing that. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that shouldn't be done, but this is what I'm saying. It is no protection from apostasy. As much as you want to make your home heaven, you know what? It, it ain't. You will never be able to make your home like heaven is. Because you're in it. <laughs> and the rest of your family's in it. You say, preacher, are we supposed... Yeah, you, you work overtime. You're trying to please God. You, you have wisdom. You're trying to keep the devil and the things of the flesh out. Yes. But if you had a perfect family, 
you wouldn't have a better place than the angels had in heaven. And one by one, they left God. Is that not cause for pause? Is that not cause for us to go to God and say, Lord, we need your help? If the angels can sin, what can I do? What can I, what, 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 what's going to happen to my family? Here's my question. Our verse says, verse 6 of, of Jude, he says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, watch it now, but left their own habitation. Here's a good question for you. Why would you want to leave heaven? Why would, why, if you, you've been in the presence of God, your whole existence, why would you want to leave the presence of God? Why would you want to leave God the Father? Why would you want to leave God the Son? Why would you want to leave God the Holy Ghost? Why would you want to leave a street of gold and gates of pearl? And and why would you want to leave the place of life and the place of light and the Holy... Why would you want to leave? I'd ask you this question. Why would you want to leave God? Why would you want to leave his word? Why would you want to walk away from it? Why would you want to walk away from his presence and his fullness and his blessing? Why would you want to, why would you want to leave the truth? Why would you want to leave a good Bible believing church? Why would you want to leave a holy, moral, decent life? It's the same question. And every day people leave it. Every day people walk away from the truth and they walk away from God and they have their own excuses and they have their own reasons, but but none of them hold any water. The fact is that you left. You said, well, this and that and the other. I don't know what excuse the angels would have had. Maybe they weren't satisfied with the presence of God. Maybe it got boring to them. Can angels get bored? I don't know. I know this. The Bible says they like to look into what we're doing here. <laughs> so evidently, they're not just fascinated with heaven. They're also, listen, they're also fascinated with what's going on down here. Maybe, maybe that sheds a little bit of light of where a crack can get in, where the devil can get in. Because instead of being thrilled with the presence of God, instead of being overwhelmed with the things of heaven and glory and the brightness of the glory of God, they're wanting to look down here. I tell you what, when I get up there, I don't think I want to look down here. I think when I awake in His likeness, I'm going to be satisfied. After living in this piece of dump, in this dumpy body, in this sin-cursed world, and you let me wake up in heaven like Jesus, what do you think I would even care about anything down here? Mm. But yet we get saved by the grace of God. God changes our heart. He changes our life. 
and that they would get saved. We walk in the church and we've never had that big of a smile and we've never been so happy and everything is just roses and everything is wonderful and we just have the peace of God and the joy of God in our heart and we love everybody and everybody loves us and we love God and He loves us and we're so glad we're saved and yet year and day and month it just rolls off the calendar of our life and pretty soon when we come to church we are not so excited about singing and we're not so excited about the family of God and we're not so excited about getting up in the morning what what can I get out of my Bible and we're not so excited about serving the Lord and we don't have that smile that we used to have and we don't have that joy what happened maybe we started looking somewhere else and we got just a little bored with God you tell me why they left heaven I mean that's, that's the best place you can go and they say we want to leave that's why I know everybody doesn't want to go to heaven if they got there they'd leave You, you, have to, you have to come to the place of repentance and faith for God to change your, your heart and your mind. Or you, you wouldn't want to be there anyway. You'd want to leave. You, you, you look around and say, Where, where's, the, where's the bar? I'm not there. Where, where's the concerts? Not there. Where, where's, the, where's the theater? The movies? Not there. Where are the video games? They don't have any. They ran out. Why do you think that you would enjoy heaven if you can't enjoy God here? Oh, I'm just such a drag. Maybe that's what the angels thought and Satan said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you something he, he can't give you. Why don't you just leave him and come with me? For sake of time, I won't go to it, but in Ezekiel... Bible tells us in chapter 28 about the fall of Lucifer. And the Bible says when Satan fell, the Bible tells us that he was the anointed cherub that covered. If you don't understand cherubim in the Bible, let me just give you real quickly. Cherubim, they, they attend the throne of God and Lucifer was the cherub that covered the glory of God. So if you can imagine the purpose of his existence up in heaven Lucifer, was he was to cover God's glory. And so his existence constantly, all he's doing is looking at the glory of God. You know what God says about Lucifer when he fell? Listen, it says his heart, that's what Ezekiel 28 says, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. Let me ask you a question. If you're looking at the beauty of the Lord... How could you even compare your beauty to his? At some point, Lucifer, he was not overwhelmed. He was not enamored with. He was not, he, he was not captivated by the glory and the beauty of God. He started looking at himself and his beauty and what God had done and how God had made him. Man, look, look how wonderful God made me. How can you come to that conclusion if you are looking at the glory of God? He had to be bored with God. Became commonplace. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm telling you, the first step in your life to leaving God is you get bored with Him. And He's not enough anymore. 
And he's not exciting anymore. And his life is not... I've got to find something else to make me happy. Yeah. Maybe it was the promise of Satan to these angels of liberation. Hey, you know, you guys... God tells you what to do all the time. I tell you what, just follow me and we'll just have a good time and do whatever we want to do. You know, up here in heaven, everything you do is structured by God. Just come with me. We'll just, we'll have a, we'll have a time. But you know what? Sin never liberates you. It always binds you. And they left God, but they wound up in prison. You see that? The Bible says he's reserved in everlasting chains. They left God, but they wound up in chains. And when we, you and I leave the truth, and when we leave what's right, and when we leave the Bible, and when our hearts leave God, we just submit ourselves to the chains of this world and of the flesh and of the devil. It's not liberating, it's binding. Ask Samson. He did what he wanted to do and he ground in, he, he did grind in the prison house, chained and bound with his eyes out. Preacher, who are you preaching to this morning? Preaching to you. Preaching to you. Because you know what? He said, Preacher, we're saved. We're in the church. We're saints of God. Yeah, I'm talking about angels, guys. I'm talking about angels. No sin. Holy. Does anybody in here think you're as holy as one of God's angels? Do you know if you saw an angel of God, you would fall down like a dead man. If you saw one of God's holy angels in His glory, it would overwhelm you. What is the principle of this? The principle is, don't be like a fallen angel. Stay where God puts you. Don't run away from God. Stay where He wants you to be. In your heart, in your life, in your mind. He knows what's best. They went from God's heavenly place to hell's dark prison. They went from holy obedience to devilish evil. You know, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure everybody in here probably sometime in the last seven days, you've probably done something that has been disobedient to the Lord. Could could we all maybe just guess that? Something. I, I didn't say you got drunk. I didn't say you killed anybody. I didn't say you fornicated. I'm just saying there's probably something you have done this week that was disobedience to your Lord. Just, just guessing. You know angels up in heaven? They never disobey. Never. For thousands of years they've been in heaven and they've not disobeyed. What does it take for someone who has never disobeyed God to just all of a sudden one day Leave holy obedience and say, I'm going to evil. Now, mind you, when they stepped from holy obedience to devilish evil, it was a huge step. 
Have you studied or read about all the devils in the Bible? You know, these evil spirits, these unclean spirits, all these devil-possessed people. Those are fallen angels. Those are fallen spirits. Now, you could not think of anything more grotesque than devil-possessed people. And just remember, that was the same spirit that used to be holy. That was the same spirit that used to be totally obedient to God. And now it's destroying a child's life. And now it's wrecking somebody's mind. And now it's making somebody tear themselves and kill themselves. And now it's, it's, it's causing somebody to wear no clothes. And now it's causing... It just totally destroyed without mercy, without compassion... Devils have no compassion. Devils are evil. Devils are depraved. They're grotesque. I mean, even Hollywood, when they put up stuff about devil-possessed people, it's gross. It's strange. And just, I want you to remember, what a change from the shining glory of God. You remember when they came to the tomb of Jesus and there were two angels there and they're shining and their glory, their glory is just glowing. And you go from that to a grotesque, filthy, depraved devil that fast. Do you know how quickly your life can change? If a holy angel can become an evil devil, you know how quickly your life can change? And all that you believe is decent, that's what happens in our day of apostasy. That change that takes place. And, and, th- and people that would never think that way, would never have done that. That's the holy angel into a wicked devil. And they've been changed forever into something unimaginable. Just like Satan himself in all of his glory, in all of his beauty. And now he's the dragon. The devil's out to change you. You know their character... Their character is so changed. Their purity is so changed. Guys, I I can't imagine. You know, even society, when they talk about angels, they talk about, you know, when somebody dies and they say, you know, they wake up in my little angel now in heaven. That that ain't the way it is. But, But when they talk about angels, they're talking about their purity and their innocence. And now we've changed from purity and innocence to just overt wickedness and filth. As a matter of fact, look at verse 7. I'm not going to get deep in this because it's really not the thrust of my message. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine. You know, people believe whatever they want to believe about the text of the Bible. But the Bible says in verse number 6, The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Watch verse 7. Even as, do you see that? Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities give about them in like manner giving themselves over to what? Over to what? Fornication and going after strange what? He says these angels that have sinned, that he's chained up, their specific sin was not just that they left God. Their specific sin was tied to the same sin even as Sodom and Gomorrah went after strange flesh. Now the Bible, hold your finger right there. Go quickly to 1 Peter chapter 3. We've already dealt with these things before. I'll just glance them very quickly because I want to get to a bigger point than what this the sin of these angels is. I just want you to see how filthy 
someone that used to be holy can become. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse number 19, this is talking about Jesus Christ when He died. He went down the lower parts of the earth, and the Bible says in verse number 19, by which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. It didn't say men, it said spirits. The Bible says He maketh angel, His angels spirits. Angels are spirits. After the resurrect, or after the death of Christ, he went down into the prison house and preached to those spirits in prison. Look at verse 19, or excuse me, verse 20, which once sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few that his eight souls were saved by fire. So he says these angels that sinned, these spirits that are in prison were these people that were during Noah's day. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. Watch it one more time. This is all a record of Genesis chapter 6. 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, watch it, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved who? Again, he's equating these angels with sin as being in Noah's day. And then again, in verse number 6, he goes right into Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I say this, these holy, pure, obedient angels became so filthy in their character that they had a, a sexual, filthy sin. Genesis chapter 6. You say, well, that's impossible because angels are genderless. Let's have a little gender conversation. Okay, all human beings are either male or female. There is no other. The human race is, is, is defined with males and females. That's all there is. And if you don't think that, you're confused or deceived or both. Okay, and nobody until the last crazy generation ever thought anything different, even people that didn't believe in God. You just have to, you know, believe in reality. You don't. You have to be insane not to understand that. Okay. When it comes to angels, here's another gender lesson: they're all male. They all have male names in the Bible. The Bible describes them as men over and over and over again. So angels do have a gender. You say, well, Jesus said they don't marry or are given in marriage. No, they don't, if they're in heaven. He says, as the angels of God in heaven, neither marry or give. But when they leave, see, they leave everything that God intended them to be. And I'm not going to get too involved in this because it's, uh, it's really a discussion of really overt wickedness. But suffice it to say that the Antichrist that's coming, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is the physical seed of the serpent. He said in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, he, he was talking to the woman, he says, and he, or excuse me, he's talking to the serpent, he said, uh, her seed is going to bruise your seed. He's talking to the devil. The devil has a seed. Just like the woman has a seed. You say that's impossible. It is on both accounts. Women don't have a seed. But she, but Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. You say, well, it doesn't make any sense that a spirit. Yes, but that spirit had a seed. I'm trying to say that 
these angels invaded our world and committed such a heinous sin probably shouldn't even be discussed. And God said, because you did that, you just didn't leave heaven. Because of what you did right there, I am chaining you up and locking you up in prison. Again, he didn't lock up all angels or we wouldn't have any devils running around. He said, this is so filthy. This is so depraved. This is so strange flesh. This, you, have, you had a holy nature and you have descended to this. I'm locking you up. I'm locking you up. He said, preacher, what can I get out of that? I love the Lord, preacher. Yeah, yeah. So do the angels. Preacher, I'm trying to do right. So did the angels. Be not deceived. You need God just as surely when you're trying to do right as when you're doing wrong. Those angels had nothing to repent of. And in a moment of time, they leave God and descend into the most filthy things that could ever be done. And you know what that is? That's you without the help of God. Oh, preacher, we've got, we've got fences and, and we've, got, we've got standards and we've got... You don't have anything like the angels of God in heaven have. And they left that quick and their whole nature was changed. Guys, we, the lesson from God is on apostasy is not look at the world and say, what a bad world, what a wicked world, what an awful world. They are crazy. They are filthy. They are wicked. That's not the lesson of the book of Jude in our verse. The lesson of the book of Jude is we are the angels. They are the wicked ones. But oh, woe be unto me because I'll be out there with them. That fast. That's the warning. When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Guys, I have no confidence in my own spirituality. I have no confidence in my own heart. I have no confidence in my holiness. I tell you what, I need God. I need Him just as much this morning as I needed Him when I was a rebellious teenager at 16 years old. From holy obedience to devilish evil. You say, what's the, what's the, what's the answer? Well, Noah is the answer. Just like, remember when we were preaching on how God destroyed all of the children of Israel there coming through the wilderness? But the example is, He didn't kill two of them. Two of them bucked the trend. Two of them were the remnant during all the falling away. And Joshua and Caleb made it through. And they had faith in their God. And it all turned out well. And God blessed them. You don't have to be all the children of Israel. You can be Joshua and Caleb. You don't have to be a world caught up with the angelic sin and all of the wickedness of Genesis chapter 6. You can be like Noah. You know what the Bible says about Noah? God found him 
perfect in his generations. He, he found something pure. He found some, so, somewhere where he could put grace. He found someone that had faith in him. You say, well, it's just him and his family. Hallelujah. Thank God his family got on the ark. All that preaching, well, it didn't look like he did very much. Didn't look like he, his family got on the ark. You can build something for God. He Noah built an ark while the whole world hated him. We, we can still serve the Lord. We, we can, he'll help us. We can preach. We can labor. We just, we just need to say, Lord, I'm not going to move out of your will. I'm not going to isolate myself from what you want me to be. I, by the grace of God and with your help, I'll keep my heart pure. And when I, when I ever find something in my, my life that, that's filthy and whenever the door cracks open and when I start getting bored with you and when my heart's not right, Lord, I'm going to run to you and I'm going to confess it and I'm going to forsake it and I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. Look, the Bible says, if the Lord should mark iniquities, who's going to stand? I mean, all of us have failures, but we all need to run to God. I really think the church house ought to be a place, church, where we constantly repent. Constantly repent. Because if the angels can sin, we're in danger. We need God. From the God's holy heavenly place to hell's dark prison. From holy obedience to devilish evil. And from supernatural power to just sitting to waiting for the judgment. When you talk about an angel, you're talking about... One angel, according to the Old Testament, can kill 135,000 people that fast. That's some power. An angel can go from the third heaven where a NASA rocket ship could not even dream to even, you know, get close. An angel has so much power, he can go all the way to the third heaven and all the way down here in a blink of an eye. He's got power. He didn't have a rocket ship. He's got power. He's got so much power, he glows. He can walk through walls. He can do miracles. He's a miraculous, all, he is a powerful being. And these angels that sinned and left God, now they are relegated to chains under darkness under the judgment of a great day. These powerful angels are now powerless, and all they're doing is sitting there waiting on the judgment of God. You know what that's a reminder of? It's a reminder of the judgment of God. You know who's going to judge those angels? This is an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 6, 3 says about to the saints, to the church, it says, know ye not that we shall judge angels. Can you imagine? An angel that can kill 135,000 of me. And one day, I'm going to judge him. That's a, that's a pretty humbling thing. As feeble and as frail as we are, we're like grass, the Bible says. We just blow away. And here's this powerful angel. And now because he left God, he's sitting in prison waiting on the likes of us to judge him. And this is what I, the lesson right there is. Look, if God's going to judge angels that sinned, with us. You think he's not going to judge us? The principle in this book is God always judges sin. 
And just because you've not experienced yet does not mean it's coming. It's not coming. Guys, he says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And a lot of times, I th- here, look, listen to me. A lot of times, here's our heartache. Years down the road, the crop comes in. What's happened? Why is this going on? Because you sowed disobedience. You sowed, and you're going to reap the judgment of God. Now, the great thing about God is, God is so wonderful. We are so messed up. But in all of our sin, anytime, anywhere, all we have to do is humble ourselves and be honest with God and say, I'm guilty, Lord. I'm guilty. You know what he'll do? He'll just scrub us and wash us and cleanse us and make us whole. That's the advantage we have over the angels. Listen, they can't get right with God. But you can. 